Hey, welcome to Educate for Life with Ryan Francis. Let's get right into it. All right. Was there anything we need to take care of before we uh, get into it? No. Sweet. Well, then I say we get into it. Topic of the probably month um, is leadership. And in order to talk about leadership, uh, I have the lovely Rhonda Delaney with me, also known as the People Gardener. Uh, We met at an online course creator uh, event in San Diego in October, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. And um, I'm really excited to talk about leadership and leadership principles with her, um, particularly because you have this view of how simple leadership can be slash really is. So I would love it if you could just spend a couple minutes kind of introducing yourself to the people. Okay. Uh, What to, what to share. (laughs) There's so much I know. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So this year in July, I will have been on this planet for 60 years. And in that time, I have, I've learned all sorts of things about life, about people, about myself. Um, been married to this awesome dude, Irishman, for 37 years. We have three daughters and five grandbabies. So it's lots of fun. And I've always loved people. Somebody asked me the other day, so, so when leadership, what, how did that all come about? And I got thinking about it. And I believe that it is something innately in me. I feel like I've been a leader since elementary school. <laughs> I, was, I very much gravitated to teams, um, not so much individual sports, but team sports. I played sports all through um, elementary school, middle school, high school. Um, I didn't play in college. I shattered my leg in a car accident when I was 20. And basically all athletics stopped. Uh, My ankle's fused. I can't. um, Yeah. So things are different. And at that stage of life, I was also a spoiled brat. And it's like, if I can't do it the way I want to do it, then I'm not going to do it. Mm. You know, kind of of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, But it hasn't, I mean, it hasn't stopped. My uh, Trev likes to tease that, yeah, that was so that I would slow down long enough that he could catch me. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I've just, I've always loved the team environment. And very, very early on, I discovered I was an awesome cheerleader Mm. and that's just part of who I am. I love to encourage people and inspire people to reach goals themselves and cheer them along the way. And it isn't just in athletics. I mean, you do it with uh, our, our own children, you know, we, we as parents, yeah, if you have have children, you know, you're cheering when they actually can sit up and you're cheering when they, you know, feed themselves for the first time and all that that kind of thing. So the human human connection and 
heart. Uh, and then throughout, throughout life, I worked in the direct marketing industry, the network marketing industry. So in those industries, you're building teams of people, you're coaching people, you're teaching people, you're training people on the products, but also on leadership, on sales, all of that kind of thing. So I spent years doing that in the evenings, doing party plan, that type of thing, so that Trev could be with the girls. We didn't have to have the kids in daycare. And I was able to, you know, make a, make a great, uh, great financial contribution to the family. I so admire working parents and parents that have kids in daycare. I mean, it just, it blows my mind what they have to go through in order to, in order to do that. I just hats off to all of them. I can remember coming home. I was a travel agent at that time when we were first married. And I remember sitting at my desk and doing the math. I was working eight, uh, eight hours a day, five days a week for a net of $250. By the time daycare, gas, right. the eating out, the right. clothes, Clothes for, I mean, all of that kind of stuff. And I came home and I just said to Trev, there has to be another way. Yeah. And that's when I started direct selling. Mm. I could go out and I could make thousands a week <laughs> in the evening and not have any daycare. Plus, I was home to parent my own children, right. kind of thing. So, teams, people, all of that yeah. has been has been me ever, ever since, ever since. And then the whole people gardening uh, arrived as a result of at 59 last year, I was an executive in a company. I had been with a company for 15 years and one day walked in and was given a pink slip. Yeah, we've eliminated your position. And so thank you very much. And away we go. So I have been living and teaching and believing my leadership philosophy style mm. for 30 plus years. What I'm doing now in creating the course that I have created online is putting it down and putting it out there so others can learn it, can understand it, and can implement, implement it. So... All of my teachings are related to the garden. It's I'm an avid gardener and recognized so much of gardening outside in the natural garden translates to interacting and working with human beings. <laughs> and so yeah. that's how the people gardener arrived. And here we are. And here we are. Uh, and I love looking at your posts uh, on Instagram. I think you're crushing it over there. So yeah. go find her at the People Gardener, and of course, I'll link all that stuff in the in the description for the episodes. Um, so, all right, let's let let's dive into the the meat of this sucker. And, and I think it would be great to just even define leadership because I personally think there are way too many definitions out there. And I think there's a lot of confusion out there. So I would love to start with how you define leadership. Uh, I'm not going to share how I define it. 
um, because how I define it is actually how Simon Sinek defines it. Simon, anybody that is uh, interested in leadership and leading from a beautiful place, he's definitely somebody you need to read his books. You need to, you know, get on, uh, follow him on social media. He has a quote that for me embodies what I believe leadership is. And I'm going to read it to you. It's leadership is not about being in charge. Mm. Leadership is about taking care of those in your charge. Oh, yes. And I come from uh, the reason why I believe leadership is simple. Because the number one absolute definitive number one is to care. Mm. You have to care about the humans that you lead. And if you focus your energy on caring about those people, all the other stuff is going to fall into place. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? You have, to, you have to care. And that's yeah. why I say it. I'm not going to say it's my definition because his definition, what he has stated to me, is the essence of what true transformational leadership is all about. Yeah, that that makes um, that makes perfect sense to me. I, I'm not super familiar with his work, so if you can give me a, a link to that. I would also also put that. I'll put that quotation, and I, I'll put a link yeah. uh, to some of his stuff in the in the description as well. Um, yeah. I I love that I love it when people play with words. So mm -hmm. uh, changing from being in charge to caring for people in your charge, I think is just yeah. such a fantastic way to kind of play with expectations. This mm -hmm. is something that I, I've talked about before, the difference between leadership and management. I haven't talked about it on the podcast. I've talked about it in my own life because when I was um, the administrator for the middle school level uh, at the most recent school I taught at, um, I wanted to kind of understand how I could be best at my role. And so I found this article that I'll link to um, from the Harvard Business Review, other just between managers and, and leaders. And I think that so often uh, people who are in a managerial mindset, it really is about control. It's about structure and control. And for people who are in a leadership mindset, it's often about um, vision and um, I think there are people who are leaders in the uh, Steve Jobs, Jobsian sense, uh, where maybe there's a little less care, but they definitely drive the, um, they drive the action forward. <clears throat> and then there are those like Simon Sinek that you're talking about who uh, kind of bring everyone along with them. And, and so when I was attempting to come up with my own definition of leadership for this conversation, <clears throat> I kind of... I, I'm a word nerd, so <laughs> I, like to, I like to break things down into their constituent parts and see if there's a clarity that comes from understanding the, the parts of something. So I kind of went from leadership and that, that definition felt very, very, very vague. And so then I went to leader. And of course, there are non-human definitions for what a leader is. And that, so that brought me down to lead. And so what I really came up with is the one that goes first. Mm -hmm. And um, I want to be clear because that could sound very potentially interpreted to be very selfish. Mm 
like me yeah. first, me first. Um, but it's to me, it was more like forging the way. And I think to your point, um, if you are responsible for a group of people, right, that's a different attitude than you're in charge of a group of people. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. And so when I think of the one that goes first, it's like, I'm the one who's going to take the hits. Mm-hmm. I'm the one who's going to put myself at risk more than I put you at risk. Yeah. I, I'm the one who's going to, you know, bl- blaze the trail. Um, and then I am going to bring you with me um, on this journey because we all kind of need each other to succeed. That's okay. kind of. I'm going to give you a, I'm going to give you another Simon quote. Ooh, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> the point to the point that you just just made. The the leader is the one that has the vision, right? Right, and needs to inspire others to actually see the vision and where they fit in the vision. But <clears throat> this is um, a quote: "The courage of leadership." is giving others the chance to succeed even though you bear the responsibility for getting things done. Yes. Right? Yes. And so um, I, have a, I have a saying, it's all about them. Right. It's not about you as a leader. Never has been, never will be. Mm-hmm. It's all about them. Mm-hmm. What do they need? Are they in the right spot? How do I help them? Do I know what they what their strengths are? Do I know what their limitations are? Do I know what's going on in their life? I have to care about the whole human. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think goes up and clocks in. Yeah, well, so this is something that also I I think is important to acknowledge that we're talking about pro social leadership because there are those that could argue that that leadership in the way of um, ordering people around uh, can work. <laughs> Again, I cite Steve Jobs. But I don't think neither, either you or I believe that that is genuinely lasting and positive for the people who are involved. I see... Oh, uh, it's not sustainable. Right. Because you burn people out. Exactly. And, they move on. and then you have exactly. this huge expense of having to train, having to, you know, interview all of that kind of kind of thing. And I, from my perspective, why would you want to make someone's life living hell while they're you're at your workplace for eight, 10, 12 hours a day? Well, that's why you're the people gardener, because you yeah. value people, right? So, yeah. so this yeah. I think is so critical because if you if people are simply a commodity then it doesn't matter if you burn them out because that's just like people that used to ride horses where they had people riding up behind them at a slightly slower pace until they killed, basically killed the horse they were on and then jumped on the next horse and kept riding. You know, this is it. We are talking from a value perspective of, again, that's why I said pro social. We, we value people, you know, this is a podcast talking about um, how people can, improve their lives, their mindset, their experience. And so, of course, of course, there is a clear pro-social bias. So you're saying, we value people. If you value people like we value people, 
here are some things to keep in mind about leadership. Right. Well, and, and I would go so far as to say, if you don't, you're wrong. <laughs> you need to, you need to do some soul searching. Hmm. Uh, seriously. I'm not talking you specifically. No, no, I understand. I understand. Who, whoever doesn't want to come from that place because right. life is too short and every single human being on this planet has value and has something to contribute. They may be different than you. And one of the things that I learned just in this, this last job, when I ran the sales department for seven years out of the 15, I ran the sales department and we did the Clifton um, strengths finder. Mm -hmm. I had mm -hmm. all of them take the, the test. Yeah. It was, it was incredibly helpful just in, in understanding uh, them, them better. There was one gal there, loved her to death, was an awesome employee, organized, I mean, all that kind of stuff. But she was a woo in the strength finders and that translated to a chatty Kathy. Mm. Well, I am not, a chatty Kathy, I can talk and I can converse. I'm happy to chat with you, but I'm also like, I got to find the fastest way from point A to point B. Right. Things need to be efficient. We need to be going. And she would go on and on and I would be, come on, I don't need the preamble. <laughs> right? Right. But when you come from a place of I, this is the whole person I have to, I have to take that. So we had a conversation. And we came to a compromise. I was going to be more patient with her preamble and she was going to shorten her preamble. Yeah. <laughs> right? right. And, and, and you move on. But that's part of who she was. And it was a wonderful part of who she was because she was very detail oriented, which I'm not. Right. And so right. I needed that skill. Right. She needed my skill. So it's the interaction with the whole human. Yeah. Yeah. And I think to call out a, a, an additional part of that um, to, to your question of wrongness or rightness about <laughs> how to be a leader um, is that similar to how some people have trouble accepting climate change. And so uh, they want to make excuses about how they run their businesses and then eventually clearly one day there's going to be a financial impact on their business. And when mm -hmm. there's some people who got into the green market just because they realized, oh, there's financial success here. So let me talk to those people for a second who believe that people aren't necessar necessarily as valuable as you and I find people to say this. Hey, guess mm -hmm. what? Whether it's right or wrong, it is less efficient to devalue people. Because if you value people and you invest in them, it will actually work out much better in the long run than if you treat them as disposable. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. And I, I wish I could cite, so I wish I had studies in front of me. This only just came up in the moment because of this conversation. But, you know, from my own experience, I will say that a person that I've invested time in and, and care in has uh, 
invariably been a better resource than needing to retrain people or, um, you know, onboard onboarding and getting people integrated into a team and all that stuff. I mean, that's just part of the job. You're always going to have to do those things because there's turnover in any job. But I would rather have someone love their job, which makes them more efficient, right? And work well with the team, which, wait, makes them more efficient. <laughs> and they last in the job longer, which means I spend less time training and onboarding people. When people feel appreciated, they, they are far more productive. Yeah. They're, they're happier. They contribute so much more. There's interesting stats out there. 75% of Americans say their direct manager is the worst part of their job. <sighs> 75%. That's terrible. 65% would even prefer their manager be replaced than get an increase in pay. That's real. I could tell and you I've had that experience. 25% of employees are looking for a new job every day. Right? Holy so shit. I'm sorry this, this thinking that you don't have to care about the human, that you just, you know, this mill, yeah, yeah. Uh, wear them out, toss them out, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Not working. When you think about how many hours a day, how many hours of your life is spent at work? A third. It's, at least. Oh, it's so sad yeah. that there's that many people that hate their job, right? Hate their, and, and a lot of them, and it isn't, that they hate their job, the tasks that they're doing. Right. And a lot of the people that they work with, it's the manager. Right. It's the experience the of their job. Right. right. It's just not, it's just not, yeah. You can't, Absolutely. You, can't you can't do it. Yeah. I want, I, I, I was tough. My boss, this president and CEO, um, he often commented, you have a balance between the love and care mother hen and the tough, right. kick him in the ass kind of, kind of person. Right. Everyone was really clear on what my expectations were. I was about to say that exact thing. And, and as long as the expectation was clear, there weren't any problems because exactly. they knew that I would help them if, if they needed help in order to meet that expectation, whether that was uh, more time, more training, uh, a tweak in a system, a procedure, more help, whatever it was. Right. Um, all of that takes time. Yes. And that's part of the whole garden process. You don't... You don't plant and immediately have this gorgeous garden. Right. It's year, right? <laughs> that it takes for it to, to shape. It's the same thing. And it, when, when it comes to working, working with people, I, when I was in the sales department, I instituted a year-end report, a year-end review, not of the people, but the people of me, Mm -hmm. of the processes the of their thing. of their life mm -hmm. at their desk right yeah. the first year that i did it um 
I had 11 people in the department um, at that point. And it was kind of maybe one or two word answers. Some of them didn't even send it back because I sent this whole list of questions mm-hmm. and said, you know, add whatever you think you need to add. And it wasn't until the third year that they actually believed that I wanted to know. Yeah. And, and it was that came about because of demonstrating the two previous years that, hey, this isn't just a make work project. I want to know. I read, I spent weeks going through every single word, going back to them and saying, okay, in your report, you said this about the program. Can you show me exactly where it is? And then turn around and say, are all you other guys having this same issue? Yeah. Okay, fine. Go to the IT guy, get that fixed. Yeah. Right. So right. follow, follow up. Yeah. But at the end of it, <laughs> I was getting like six, seven pages per person yeah. with all sorts of phenomenal ideas about what could be different, what could change, what we could do here and all that kind of thing. Because right. as a leader, you need to understand the sum of the IQ of your team is so far above your own. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. You may still need... Sorry, go ahead. No, there's just a wealth of information and just even all of the life experience of everybody that's so different. You've got the young, you've got the old, you've got the males, you've got the females. I mean, there's just, yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. And it's, it's funny because my brain is forking across two different paths. Uh, I want to call back and harken back to what you said about expectations. And I also want to talk about the collective IQ thing real quick. And that is having been a classroom teacher for over 10 years, I would look at what was happening around me. And very often, I had higher expectations than the other teachers around me. And sometimes they would kind of look at me uncomfortably like, gosh, Ryan, you're expecting a lot out of these kids. Like, yeah, but I'm also nurturing. Yeah. And so I'm giving them something to strive for. And guess what happens? 90% of them meet it with Mm -hmm. different levels of effort. And they feel so much more accomplished than if I just given them something they knew they could do. And of those kids who don't cross that threshold that where I set my expectation, they are so proud of what they've accomplished because they could see the value of everything leading up to that line. It wasn't just some like, okay, you either cross this arbitrary line or you fail. Mm -hmm. It was, we are working toward this together. And yeah. that same model, I think, works with adults as with kids. It's just humans. It's, it's just humans. And that's another thing that I think is missing so critically in the classroom. And if it's missing in the classroom, you can almost guarantee it's missing in, in corporate life as well. Um, since one tends to be a reflection of the other. Hmm, isn't that interesting? <laughs> Separate conversation. Yeah. We'll just stick a pin in that one. Um, <laughs> that if we're not acknowledging the experience of those around us, we're missing out on a lot of value. So when I'm in a classroom with 20 kids, 30 kids, 40 kids, that's 40 different perspectives, 20 different perspectives. If you're in with your team, let's say you have a team of 12, it's 12, 12 people. Even if you have a team of five, five people, whatever. When you are able to dip into the well of their collective experience, you 
pick up things that you would have otherwise missed. You garnish and you gain new strategies you never would have had. You find new ways to do things that are far more effective than just what you came up with on your own from your experience because they see it from a different angle. Now, you may still need to be the filter, right? Yeah. You're still the one reading that those sure. seven-page surveys and you're still determining what to act on reading across them. So it's not, you know, solution by committee, um, but it is still information gathering by committee. And that is critically important, I think. No matter what type of power structure you have, flattening part of it like this, I think is is insanely valuable. Yeah. It, knowing self-awareness is um, a significant uh, yeah, it's a significant part of being an effective leader. Yeah. Understanding your own strengths and limitations and biases. I mean, all of, all of that. Um, something that happened when, when I moved into the sales department, um, I'm very direct. <laughs> and when when people are not in front of me and can see my facial expression, can read my body language and marry all of those with the words that's coming out of my mouth, mm-hmm. often it's it can come across as harsh, mm-hmm. uh, judgmental. A lot of those those kinds of um, well up those types of feelings. Yeah. And so when I first started, I had the best boss. Um, He trusted me implicitly and he was there for my, to support me and whatever needed to be done for the first two years of those seven that I was a manager. Most of my emails that I sent out to the team I ran through him. Mm, Smart. Because I knew that about myself, Mm -hmm. that I was too dry. Like one of my favorite questions, and I encourage every single manager to uh, encourage their team is why? I would ask why all the time. Well, why are Mm. you doing that? Mm. And so often it was taken as a Questioning the exactly challenge of great, right? I just want information. Like, so why are you doing that? (laughs) Just so I can understand what's Mm -hmm. what's going. So the emails, I'm not. I don't want my email to be five paragraphs when it can be three sentences. Just because I feel I have to add all sorts of fluff in there to make sure people don't get upset. (laughs) Um. So I ran it through him. Yeah, and. I found that happy medium and it got so that I was able to do the three sentence email Mm -hmm. and nobody was upset because they had had time and opportunity to get to know me and how I operate. And they also believed that best intentions. Exactly. I was there for them. I will help them do whatever it is I've asked them to do. And if they're not getting the support, they need to put their hand up. They need right. to come and challenge me saying, look, you asked us to do this, but look at all this crap 
we have to deal with beforehand before we can even get to that. Yeah, relationship building. Try that crap. Okay, list it out. Let's figure it out. Right. And I'm sure you also got better at crafting your words so those three sentences landed a little bit more softly than, hey, asshole, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, exactly. You just, but, but I stayed true to myself. It took, right. Took effort and it took time. Right. And so many new managers, which is what my course is, is designed for those new managers that are not getting the support they need. They're not getting the mentoring. They're floundering, right? Yeah. Because, yeah. and part of it is, just slow down. Mm-hmm. You can't change the world in a day, in right. a week, in a year. Mm-hmm. You have to be patient because you can't make these grand changes and expect your team of people to be okay with it. Most human beings, just tiny little changes at a time, okay? Right. We're right. happy. We can do that. But don't blow things up. Well, and it's also critically important to remember that wishing that your team members were different than how they are is just a recipe for exhaustion and victimhood. And when we stop fighting against who someone is and we start thinking about how to best interact with them, all that energy we were wasting before fretting that the situation isn't different gets put into actually solving the problem. Yeah. Well, often it you're, you're frustrated because somebody's not performing. Right. Well, if you stop and look at what you're asking them to do, you don't even have them doing tasks that speak to their strengths. Right. And if you changed what it was they were doing, the performance would be completely different. I've got another Simon quote for you. Ooh, perfect. Okay. And then I have some transitional stuff for us to do. Okay. So... Great leaders don't blame the tools they've been given. Great leaders work to sharpen them. Mm. Yes. Yes. I totally agree with that. The people on your team are people on your team. Yep. And your job as the leader is to find what they're good at, find what they like, to develop them so that they can go on and be whatever it is they're aspiring to be. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So for those who made it through the first about half hour of this conversation or those who, because I suspect I'll repeat this um, when I break this episode into two, who are are interested in how this might apply to them, I, I, I would like to point something out really quickly. And that is that these principles that we're talking about in leadership really apply to every type of human interaction. And that includes with yourself in your own damn head. So when I personally talk about leadership, I actually talk about three types of leadership, but it's all the exact same principles. And that's personal leadership, i.e. how you lead yourself Indirect leadership, i.e. how you are perceived by those around you, just your everyday interactions with humans. We're not even talking about people that necessarily like family or friends. I'm talking about like random customer care workers. I'm talking about your barista. I'm talking about your kid's teacher. Like just how you are indirectly. You are leading. You are being a leader even 
when you are just speaking a certain way to that random person on the phone. And then what we've been talking about explicitly so far has been professional leadership. So personal is like how we show up for ourselves, how we develop trust and how we make our decisions and our own sense of self-understanding. Indirect is like how we show up in front of others. Some people might call it leading by example. It's just, Mm -hmm. again, it's how we show up in the world, how we interact with people. And then professional is how we show up at, quote, work. You know, and and again, we talked a little about managing versus leading and we've talked about, you know, subordinates. We've talked about peers. And I think this even goes for bosses. I mean, there are, I have had some terrible relationships with bosses. I've had some fantastic relationship with bosses. And I realized that some of my best relationships are when I got to be a leader as well in the relationship. That boss was absolutely my leader and set the vision for me. And I also came with my own sense of vision that was supportive of their vision. So I got to lead as well. And sometimes that was leading a conversation. Sometimes that was leading with an idea, but that that was always present. So no matter like what principles we're talking about here, I, I would love everyone to just like, if they can strip the work context for a moment, and just consider how is this showing up with my kid's teacher? How is it showing up with my child? How is it showing up if I'm a teacher in the classroom with my students or with my boss or with, you know, my partner, with, with the love of my life? How, how is this showing up with them? Because I, I want to get into your gardening metaphor right now and then directly into your kind of the pillars of your course, because I think everyone should hear these. I think it's incredibly valuable, just period, <laughs> for them to hear that. So before I ask you to jump into your gardening metaphor, was there anything you wanted to add to that? No, I, I, I believe that every person can choose to lead. It's a, it's a choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some, some will find it maybe easier than others based on their personality and their life experience, all that kind of, kind of thing. Um, and yeah, I, I believe that, that everybody, everybody has the potential. They just have to determine whether or not they have the interest mm. yeah. to, to do that. And as a, as a leader in the, in the professional environment, that's something that you need to be really clear on with your employees because there's some that, you know what? I really like the tasks that I do. I have no interest in moving up. I like to work and I like going home and not having any responsibility. So being okay with that and applauding that and just allowing that to be is as valuable to that employee as the employee that does want to climb the ladder and you give them the support that they need. Yeah. And this is the same exact same principle as entrepreneurship. Not everyone wants to take the risk to build their own business. And just because it is so romanticized by our culture, this idea of entrepreneurship does not mean that everyone should be an entrepreneur. It's just, I, I was just saying, and I think it was the most recent podcast. It's like, if you are an admin assistant, then maybe it, this the, these conversations we have on my podcast about how to be the most badass human you can be and therefore the most badass admin assistant you could possibly be because maybe that's literally the career you want 
until you stop working. And there's not a goddamn thing wrong with that. We don't need to worship leaders. No, we don't, we don't need leaders. We need leaders. We need strong leaders. How often do problems that we have in our society come down to poor leadership? Yeah. A huge number, right? And this, I think, is, again, breaking down what we're talking about being pro-social. Um, but I will go on forever about that. So I'm going to cut myself off right now. <laughs> <laughs> Next time on Educate for Life with Ryan Francis. I would love to hear more about uh, your where you came up with this gardening metaphor and then jump straight into the your four pillars of your um, of leadership for you okay well the the gardening metaphor as I said earlier um, I've been an avid gardener for years I spend a lot of time out in the garden it is my happy place I love getting my hands in the dirt and feeling the energy that's uh, that's in the in the dirt and I am not a super patient person, mm. but the garden has helped me to understand that it doesn't matter how impatient I am, it's going to grow at the pace that it's going to grow. Hey again, thanks for listening. If you want more goodness, come hang out with me on Instagram at educate for underscore life. That's educate, the number four, underscore life. I jump on almost every day and go live once per week to answer questions and just talk about what's on my mind. We've got some cool stuff coming down the pipe, so expect some announcements in the near future. And with that, I hope you have a great week. Talk with you soon. <laughs>